Welcome to Live Well with Southwell. Southwell is dedicated to helping you be equipped with the best tools and knowledge to make sure you and your family live a healthy life. Live Well with Southwell features interviews with experts across many areas of healthcare and wellness. We hope you enjoy listening and most importantly, living well. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Liza Tillman, and joining us today is Dr. Andrew Nakashi, General Surgeon with South Georgia Surgical. Dr. Nakashi will be discussing hernia repair using the Da Vinci robot. Thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. Anytime. So we're excited to have you back. I know you came a few years ago, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about your educational background, where you work, and how long you've been with Southwell. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I went to uh, undergrad at University of Central Florida in Orlando, Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, med school up in West Virginia, and then did all my surgery training up in Michigan at Henry Ford, Mm -hmm. um, and came back down here to be closer to family. Love it. Love it. So how long have you been here with with us at the Southwell system? Uh, Almost two years. Next week will be two years. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So I guess that's about when we did your first podcast. That's right. Yeah. Because we we got you before you got real busy. Got me early. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the robotics program at Tiff Regional. I know you're really proud of your team um, and the services that you offer our patients. How have you grown that program since you've been here? Yeah, so part of the training up on Michigan, we were a big part of the robotic uh, uh, training up there. Mm-hmm. So we had the highest um, volume uh, robotic center in Michigan. That's given the University of Michigan and everything. Wow. So um, here it was actually fairly easy to grow as long as uh, you could kind of prove the concept. So okay. um, that was the first thing is that there was, uh, you know, the staff and everybody needed to see that the robot was useful. Mm-hmm. Um so just proving that it was something that we could use to help patients was the first step of all that. Yeah. The next thing was to prove that it uh, can be better for patients. And okay. so we kind of passed that phase pretty quickly as well. Yeah. And uh, the last thing was just to get everybody up to a level that we were all proud of. And so that's where the team is now. As, as everybody knows what they're doing, everybody knows their roles, and everybody in the operating room is trained um, to work uh, on this technology, mm-hmm. which is what it is. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, the first myth I want to dispel is uh-huh. a lot of people think that uh, you push a button and, and <laughs> uh, the robot does all this stuff. Um, it's not any kind of AI or anything like that. Okay. It's uh, more that it gives me a, a little more uh, movement with my hands. Okay. So um, the uh, robot has uh, four arms that it that docks on. Um, we have to make incisions on the patient's abdomen to uh, dock those mm-hmm. um, arms. And then there's a console. Uh, that uh, I put my head in and I get a 3D view um, of the abdomen and I'm able to use my wrist to do very fine dissection. Okay. So we have myself as the surgeon and then uh, you have a whole team that really needs to be trained um, to, to do what they do. Um, you know, as, as the surgeon, everybody sees you as the leader in the room. Yeah. But really, you can't do it without a lot of your team members. So you have a first assistant there mm-hmm. who's uh, helping exchange the instruments and things like that. Um, you have a scrub tech in there who's uh, helping pass the instruments as well. Um, and you have a circulator who uh, is in charge of making sure everything runs smoothly. Um, and then, of course, the anesthesia staff as well. They have to be comfortable with what they're doing as well. So good point to say there are, are people in the room. Yes. <laughs> when you're being operated on, this isn't just a robot like you would picture in your head. That's right. Um, the human body is a yes. little too unique to, <laughs> exactly. to, in, uh, to not individualize those kind of things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely just... It gives you a little bit more fine motor. Yeah. Um, well. And it's a really cool machine to see. I mean, it looks, 
intimidating, but it's a good thing you know what you're doing. That's right. <laughs> it's a little new agey, and yeah. uh, thankfully the patients uh, uh, are asleep by the time that they see those. That's right. <laughs> <the robots. laughs> it yeah. can be intimidating, though. Yeah. 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 Well, that's so cool that we have that here. Um, so what are some advantages of robotic surgery versus the traditional surgical methods? So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, main uh, benefits for it is that the, it's a minimally invasive technique. Mm -hmm. So while uh, laparoscopy is the same way, this allows you to do more difficult things um, with those small incisions. Um, with, uh, with traditional laparoscopy, you just have sticks that you work with and you don't get the wrists at the end of those sticks. Okay. So with robotic surgery, um, I can use those wrists, uh, wrists and um, end up uh, doing the majority of these difficult cases uh, with the small incisions. So um, the other advantage is that the pain is usually less than an open incision. Okay. Um, and the uh, recovery time is less than an open incision as well. Um, and the stay in the hospital, uh, if you do need to stay in the hospital, is also less for things like colon surgeries and stuff like that. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. Less pain? Less pain, less stay in the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a little bit about your training. What um, training experience do you need to have to perform robotic surgery? And are most surgeons kind of your age that are coming out now, is everybody being trained on robotic surgery? Or is that something you have to seek out? I would say the vast majority of residencies have a uh, robot that they're training their residents on. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the big debate now is are we doing too much minimally invasive training and uh, not getting enough of that open experience? Mm -hmm. So um, we do, uh, I did five years of that robotic training. Now, the people that are learning it now who are obviously not in residency, um, they need uh even a couple weeks uh, of training just to learn the technology. Mm -hmm. The I always say that if you're going from traditional laparoscopy to robotic, there's not much different other than you'll have a sigh of relief that it's a lot easier. Okay. Um, but all the steps and everything are basically the same. Um, just knowing how to navigate the technology is the only thing that you really need to learn. Okay. If you're going from an open technique to learning the minimally invasive technique, that obviously will take a lot longer to train on. Yeah. Um, and so that can take months to, to truly get uh, proficient at. Um, but the majority of surgeons out right now are very comfortable with laparoscopy. And so the jump to robotics isn't much. Okay. So what robotic procedures do we offer at Southwell system-wide? Uh, System-wide, so uh, you have our uh, a couple of our OB-GYNs offer um, robotic hysterectomies, mm -hmm. uh, again, with the small incisions. Um, um, myself and some of my partners, uh, we do uh, hernia repairs, so that includes um, belly wall hernia repairs, groin hernia repairs, and I do hiatal hernia repairs, um, along with uh, all my gallbladders are done this way, too. Again, if it uh, becomes important when there's a difficult gallbladder, then I can mm -hmm. keep it with those small incisions. Okay. Um, and then I also do colon surgeries this way too okay. um, to uh, allow for better recovery afterwards. Okay. So that's, we have one in our uh, hospital in Adel and we have the one up here. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. So you mentioned hernias. So that's what our main topic is today, hernia repair. So I know nothing about hernias, mm -hmm. and I don't know if anybody else does, but maybe, I guess if you've had one, you probably are a little familiar with it. But what are the different types of hernias? You mentioned that before. Yeah, hernias kind of come in all shapes and sizes. Okay. So, um, you know, when we talk, when most people can see their hernia, they're usually talking about a belly wall hernia, a okay. belly button hernia. Okay. Um, so uh, those present a little bit differently. You have this little outpouching that you can feel on your belly wall. Mm -hmm. The groin hernias, uh, men get those most commonly. There's a there's a natural weakness there. 
Um, and so you can have this uh, a bulge that happens down in your groin mm-hmm. um, that sometimes can be painful. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just irritating more than anything else. Okay. Um, and then the last one that we talked about was that hiatal hernia. Mm-hmm. Those usually, you can't see them. Um, they, it's just a, a defect in the diaphragm. Okay. Um, and so the presentation for that is usually reflux or that's uh, heartburn um, people experience. And we diagnose that after our GI docs do a scope, mm-hmm. look in with a camera, and they can see that hiatal hernia that way. Okay. So that was my next question. What are the symptoms of hernias and how are they diagnosed? So where you talked about hiatal, mm-hmm. but what about the other ones? Yeah, so uh, the other ones can present with pain. Yeah. Uh, the reason we fix those most commonly is we don't want any bowel or anything to get trapped in there. Mm. And so we try to fix them before that actually happens. Um, funny enough, the larger hernias are less likely to trap any kind of bowel because it kind of moves in and out freely. Okay. The small ones are the concern. And so we try to fix the small ones as soon as we can. Okay. So if you have one, like you said, that's kind of protruding, mm-hmm. you're going to know that something's going on. That's right. <laughs> Might look a little scary, mm-hmm. uh, but the other ones that you would have to go to the GI first and then they would refer to you, I'm assuming, to that's get those right. repaired. And, okay. and uh, you know, the size is important. If it's mm-hmm. less than the, si- the, the size of the, your fingertip, mm-hmm. um, then you, not, you might not necessarily need any kind of mesh or anything. Mm-hmm. But if you do need mesh, then my preference is always to do it robotically because I think the mesh lays a little nicer than if you did it with an incision over top of the hernia. Okay. If you think you have a hernia, would we start out seeing our primary care doctor or could we go straight to you? Usually the primary care doc can okay. find it first um, and they I get it sent over to me. There's no, not necessarily any imaging that you need, like a mm-hmm. CAT scan or anything. Okay. Um, usually you can feel it on, um, on exam. Those hiatal hernias need a little bit more workup okay. um, just because you can't see it or feel it on exam. Okay. How can you repair hernias with a robot and what are your patient's outcomes? Yeah, so uh, repair, uh, again, each uh, type of hernia uh, gets repaired differently. So okay. um, starting with the most common, which is those belly wall hernias. Mm-hmm. Um, what's nice robotically compared to the laparoscopy is that you can actually go in there, and because I have wrists, I can sew up the hole and then place a, place a mesh on top of it. Okay. But laparos- laparoscopically, then uh, you just place the mesh and you don't sew up that hole, so you don't have that extra, um, uh, that second layer of protection. Okay. Gotcha. Um, when you do it uh, just the traditional laparoscopy way. Um, for inguinal hernias, you actually don't sew up the hole there. You um, take a layer of the abdominal wall down, you place a mesh in there, and then you um, uh, let that mesh stay in there with that uh, layer of the belly wall. Okay. Hiatal hernias are a completely different animal. So um, basically you bring, it's it's the stomach co- goes up into your chest is the cause of all this. Mm-hmm. So you bring the stomach back down into the belly where it belongs. Um, you sew up the diaphragm to the size that it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, and then uh, you can place a mesh sometimes. It's not always uh, necessary. Um, but uh, at the very last part of that uh, repair, you wrap the stomach on itself so that it has... Um, some way of um, making sure that acid doesn't go back up into your esophagus and have that heartburn effect. So what about your patient's outcomes? Do they report good outcomes from this? Yeah, oddly, uh, hiatal uh, hernias um, actually don't have a whole lot of pain. You do stay in the hospital one night, and there's a special diet that goes with it. Okay. Um, But uh, they don't have a whole lot of pain at all. Usually Tylenol and ibuprofen do the trick. Wow. Um, 
ventral hernias uh, and inguinal hernias are a little bit different. So yeah. it doesn't take away your pain, mm-hmm. um, but it does uh, decrease uh, that pain if we can do it with the minimally invasive technique. Okay. Um, you're still sewing on areas that have nerve fibers and things like that. Yeah. And so uh, it can definitely be painful for that first one to two weeks and you get some uh, pain medication for it. Okay. Um, but usually a muscle relaxant helps more than the uh, narcotic pain medication. Yeah. And um, uh, people seem to heal up when I see them back in the office in a couple of weeks. Uh, they are feeling pretty good after that. So it might sound a little scary, but really minimally invasive mm-hmm. equals less recovery time. That's right. And uh, all of these hernias, other than the hiatal hernia where we're just monitoring for any kind of nausea or anything, mm-hmm. all of those are outpatient procedures. So you go really? the same day. Wow. Um, all the uh, sutures and everything are underneath the skin and they dissolve on their own. So uh, definitely not a lot of care that you need to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling with this, it's probably not going to be as big of a deal as you think to, right. to get it repaired. That's right. Um, so as as far as um, the diet um, for hiatal hernias, um, you have to be on a liquid diet for two weeks. So that sometimes scares people off a little bit. Afterwards? Afterwards. Oh, my. Okay. Um, and that's basically <laughs> to decrease any kind of nausea or anything. And okay. that area is so uh, tight uh, after working on it yeah you have to let all the inflammation go away okay um, before you do anything the nice thing about it is that um afterwards you can come off of those uh we call them proton pump inhibitors but basically acid blocking medication mm-hmm. that's your uh protonics or omeprazole or prilosec things like that you come off of that um for the rest of your life hopefully um, and those medications do have their side effects, including increasing your uh, chance of having diabetes or worsening your diabetes when you have it. Oh, wow. And uh, some papers, and, and it's uh, kind of been back and forth in the literature, have talked about it uh, increasing uh, concerns for dementia in the future and things like that. So oh. we try to get people off of those PPIs as soon as we can. That's scary. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's no fun. <laughs> so uh, that's the benefit of it, but it okay. does take that two weeks to be on a liquid diet. Okay. And oddly, a lot of these restaurants around here will actually uh, blend up some of the food. If, oh, uh, I don't know how it. I feel about so, that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and we have some recipes and stuff that we give out to patients to help. Okay. Um, a lot of fruit smoothies and things like that going okay. around. Uh, nicely, you, you lose a little bit of weight. I was going to say, I mean, yeah. if you have some weight to lose, that couldn't be too terrible. That's right. It's not too bad. <laughs> Um, as far as the re- uh, recovery and everything for the other hernias, we just um, ask that you not lift anything over 20 pounds for about four weeks after the surgery just okay. to uh, prevent any kind of recurrences. Um, and then most people can get back to work at a light duty uh, kind of stage at, at a week or two after the surgery. Okay. Yeah. So when you think of surgery, this is probably, these are the more easy kind of repairs and things that you can have done. Yeah. It's, sure. uh, yeah, the um, pain and everything you can, you know, like I said, it's not going to be zero. Right. I mean, you're going to have pain. It's, it's surgery. We're cutting you in an organized way. That's right. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's something that uh, people get done every day. And it's uh, amazing that uh, people probably walking around that have just had this kind of surgery and you just wouldn't know it. Yeah. How many do you do per week usually? Uh, usually about uh, three or four okay. uh, hernia repairs a week. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about that same number of gallbladders as well. Um, and then as far as, uh, colons and things like that, we probably do, uh, one to two a month when they come around. Okay. Gotcha. So you guys stay busy over there. Stay busy. Good. Yeah. So do you see a lot of hernias, I guess? We do. We do. And it's just a, uh, either a natural defect or it can come from, uh, incisions from previous surgery. Oh, okay. Um, so all those things can, can lead to an increased rate of those things. Okay. So 
I'm going to ask you about my husband's. Because mm-hmm. remember, he has the, is it the sliding that he has? You the sliding hiatal that? hernia? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to call my husband out a little bit. Maybe he won't listen to this. Uh-huh. Um, he has a, we found out he has a sliding hiatal hernia, mm-hmm. which we were told cannot be repaired. Is that true? So uh, it's not that it can't be repaired. It's that the repair doesn't help as much. Ah, say okay. that. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, sliding hiatal hernia causes reflux and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, if the reflux is bad enough, then, uh, I tell people that it's, uh, worth it to go in there and, um, close up that hole that's causing it to slide in and out. Okay. Um, and then even do that stomach wrap that we were talking about. Okay. Um, but he would be the one that would be on the liquid diet for a couple of weeks too. So it's one of those Listen. things that the risk and the benefit, we weigh it all the time. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, he's, he's definitely struggling. So, and I'm sure he'd like to come off those medicines that you were talking about. But yeah. um, I, I just remembered we had talked about that a while ago. And there there should be there are some things that may not be fixed by, by the surgery. That's right. That's right. There are some things that uh, the benefit uh, decreases a little bit for sliding hiatal hernias. Because gotcha. uh, it's not always, that stomach isn't always up in the chest. Yeah. The majority of the time, it's actually where it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, and so uh, sometimes wrapping the stomach, though, gives you a, what we call a sphincter mm-hmm. to make sure that, that acid doesn't come up. So it's sometimes worth at least a discussion. Well, maybe he can come see yeah, you. Maybe I mean, he can come I think see it's, me. I think That's it's right. worth it for sure. So, right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Nakashi. And for more information about the Da Vinci Robotic Services that we offer at Southwell, you can visit mysouthwell.com slash robotics. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live Well with Southwell. If you have a question for a healthcare expert or a topic you'd like us to discuss, send an email to info at mysouthwell.com. Until next time, live well.